You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! Yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball oh, oh, oh. will never be the same! <laughs> so that now has entered the fray. Oh, oh, and welcome back to Hardwood Radio. Ben, it's Monday night, and I'm going through March Madness with Raw. What am I supposed to watch now? <laughs> Well, there's a lot of NBAs that went on. It's not all, not all the games are interesting, but we've had some pretty wild action over the weekend. My God, the last four days of action in the tournament. We just need to be called the tournament, and you all know what we're talking about here. It's the 2016 March Madness, and what a madness it's been. Upsets, buzzer beaters from midcourt. What? Oh, what a tournament so far, Ben. Over, uh, the buzzer beater are kind of a tradition at March Madness. There's so many games that are decided at the last second. But the the um, the um, the uh, upsets this year were particularly brutal. They I was really really surprised by some by some of them, and I have about eight of my uh, 32 initial choices still in the game uh, at this week 16, and I'm very. I was very uh, dis- surprised and disappointed. You have like six more than me. I think only two of my teams are left at this point. I'm oh, exaggerating, but I'm exaggerating. But uh, bracket busters this year, Michigan State. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tom Izzo, for the hype. Thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, honestly, it's a freak thing. It shouldn't have happened. I had Michigan State as my winner of the entire exactly. tournament. They lost in Be- the second round. Because the bracket was extremely friendly to them, but I'm looking at my bracket in the Midwest region, and I, no teams I have chosen are still in the game. Uh, I had at the Sweet 16, I had Texas Tech, Purdue, uh, Gonzaga, and Syracuse, and Paramino. That's it. I had Texas Tech, Purdue, Michigan State, and Utah, and they were all uh, gone. Little Rock, Arizona. The oh, school yeah. that shocked one of the first upset on day one versus Purdue, the Boilermakers. And then they went on to, of course, they lost to Iowa State. But still, Little Rock busted a lot of bracket on day one. And uh, it's it's been such a weird tournament. And th- let's just talk about this for a second. The worst 44 second in Iowa's history. I'm not <laughs> talking about the school. I'm talking about the state. It's the 44th oh, yeah. worst second in the state's history. Northern Iowa, what happened? Um, honestly, they were they were pretty. Uh, they went pretty far in the tournament, and they were not. Uh, they went far beyond everybody's expectations. Uh, but they could have went further. They could have qualified for the 316. But Texas A&M has stayed true to their their core identity of being a very aggressive never say die team all all season long and they they peaked 
they culminated uh, at the right moment and they offered us this great March Madness uh, memory. And I think it's the best thing that happened to Texas A&M since Johnny Manziel. At least now they're going to talk about Texas A&M <laughs> for a positive reason. So that's for where... the right reasons, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk about those 44 seconds. For me, what was interesting is how Texas A&M was putting so much pressure in the 44 seconds that literally Northern Iowa couldn't get the ball back in. Like after oh, every yeah. basket of Texas A&M, Northern Iowa was just trying to put the ball back in and they couldn't. And then they would go in the worst possible position on the court in the corner when you're trying to just get the ball forward. You get trapped in the corner with nowhere to go. What are you going to do? You're throwing back blindly into the court. And guess what? Texas A&M got it and got the equalizer. It's, it, it's just crazy. Well, you know the saying that defense wins games in uh, sports? Um, this, was, uh, this was the prime example of why it's even more true in uh, basketball. Uh, it, Texas A&M kept forcing turnovers on the less athletic uh, Northern Iowa team. And they used, they used uh, on-ball defense and a fairly indecent athletic advantage in order to uh, create turnovers. And you see, you saw the results, like 14 points in 44 seconds. Uh, a good, sound, two-way team that has the athletic superiority, that's what, it's going to, um, that's what it's going to look like. It was a bit extreme because it's in March Madness and uh, both teams in college basketball, both teams didn't have the same uh, recruiting power, and it showed. But uh, this is the kind of stuff you're going to see in the NBA, too, with the very sound defensive teams such as San Antonio, Boston, uh, Golden State. It was a very, um, it was a very pleasant, uh, visually pleasant style of defense. Another upset that has actually really surprised people, their first victory ever at the March Madness Tournament, a state that's really quite far, a university that has a lot of, well, not the university itself, but it was the birthplace of a president that's actually going to leave office very soon. And don't tell me their first win has nothing to do with Barack Obama. He has something to do with the win of Hawaii in that tournament. Well, it's interesting that you're saying that because um, it's not as much as that uh, Hawaii won as um, California lost. California was missing their starting point guard, Tyron Wallace, who is the spiritual and emotional leader of this team. And more important, their star player, Jalen Brown, which we will discuss in the uh, Prospect of the Week segment, did not show up. He shot for one one out of six in the entire game. I don't even understand how he got only six shots in. And he turned the ball over seven times. When your best player is falling apart like this, um, the entire team, the entire team just started doubting itself, and Hawaii just picked the momentum and started uh, started picking uh, California apart very early in the game. California, I think, came back very early in the second half, but maintained the lead for little to no time. And before you knew it, it was too the lead was too large, and Hawaii was were running away with the game. It was very surprising, very disappointing from a team that has a lot of uh, potential draft prospect in their lineup. 
No, exactly. But uh, like you mentioned, it's we, we talked about this with Jonathan as well, I believe, mm-hmm. with uh, the amount of, well, miles in the legs of California, the players mm-hmm. heading to the game, to the, to the tournament, and how injuries mm-hmm. have been plaguing the team and all that. So yes. they were, the, the tournament wasn't like a bad timing for them. They, they wish the tournament was like early this season. Most likely, but uh, there was the um, there was the uh, scandal with their assistant coach Yanni Hafnagel, which was charged with uh, sexual assault too. That which probably help. which probably didn't help. There was a lot of mileage, like you said, and uh, but Jalen Brown, uh, the media has been super hard against him since that game. But but what happened? Is it going to be? Uh, it's going to be judged from now on as from how he's going to rebound from this game. The guy was on the biggest stage of his young life and completely bungled his opportunity. And for our listeners that are not necessarily aware of the difference between an NCAA March Madness game like from the tournament and a regular season game in your gymnasium with not necessarily the same amount of fans if you're a smaller school, is a big difference. And if you're looking at example, now the... NCAA tournament, like you mentioned, uh, uh, a team like California, a player that, yes, it's it's a big program. It's a lot of fans watching the game, but the pressure, the bright lights, and the national mm-hmm. focus that is in the first and second round of the national tournament, the national championship tournament, it, it's so big. The pressure is so big that, yeah, games like this do happen. Yeah, they play in big arenas, most mostly for the first time. I mean, Jalen Brown played in the McDonald's All-American High School game uh, last year, but it's one of their first time in a competitive game uh, under the bright lights. And I think he shied away from the moment a little bit. Uh, all in all, it should not be uh, it should not be uh, a deciding factor in his career. But um, it's it's he's going to have to react to this uh, failure and it's going to be a question in every draft interview is going to have from here to June. That I can guarantee you. Every year, there's a team that catches America's and now basically the world's attention in yes. this first and the second round. This year, it's part because of the play of the team and I have to be honest, part because of their name. Stone Cold <laughs> Stephen F. Austin's almost made it to the Sweet 16 back. Almost. They were one basket away from not making it, for making it, pardon me. And that's the bottom line. <laughs> because Stone Cold said so. Exactly. But, but I was uh, on the, bucket away. I, w- I was on the treadmill watching the game against Notre Dame at the gym, and I was huffing and puffing and screaming, and it's not because I was tired. It's because the game was really, really good. One of the best games I've seen in the tournament so far is Stephen F. Austin versus Notre Dame in their second round. And the coach after the game of Notre Dame mentioned, and he was basically exhausted saying, oh, they're a good team. They're a good team. <laughs> we beat a good team tonight. We really beat a good team tonight. Expect uh, Stephen F. Austin's coach, Brad Underwood, to get a bigger coaching gig uh, next year. He's going to Cha-ching. be... A- He's going to get scouted by bigger program. I don't know if he's going to go right away, but all eyes are on him and the momentum is great. He's, do, he's done a great job with this team and uh, he's, uh, someone is going to uh, pay him big, the big bucks to go coach for a bigger program. That's for sure. Now, Ben, Sweet 16. Yes. It's the time of our prediction for the Sweet 16 where we can forget that our bracket has been busted since <laughs> game two. But now we can actually focus and start our new prediction all over again. Let's start with Kentucky. Uh, sorry, Kansas University versus Maryland. 
both teams, uh, both teams, I had them in the, my Sweet 16 bracket. They're the two most experienced team in the, this uh, in this region, in the South region, and they're the two teams, the two experienced teams that have the most talent. Uh, if Logic follows his course, Kansas is going to win that game because they are the most consistent. Uh, they've been the most consistent all year. They have a great system. They, the guys believe in their system. But uh, Maryland has a lot of talent. And um, if they have one of their good games, they could very well uh, squeeze their way in uh, the Elite Eight. And if they do, they might very well end up in uh, the Final Four. I am particularly curious about the matchup of uh, Maryland's Diamond Stone what an awesome name, Diamond Stone. It's with the best the, name ever. With your favorite, uh, Ima- with your imagine personal Imagine, fa- you're the father of a child. Your last name is Stone. You're like, you know what? I'm going to call my son Diamond. Because he's he's going to make me rich, right? <laughs> wow. Wow. There you go. But uh, he's going to have probably a matchup against your favorite, Perry Ellis. And I'm really... <laughs> my favorite. Look- the guy, he's a... Best smeller. He smells the best in the whole <laughs> tournament. He's going to... Uh, I'm very curious how Diamond Stone is going to push him because Perialis is renowned to have to be a kind of soft and Diamond Stone is bigger, stronger, and is renowned to be, to have a, a, to be a bit of a hard-nosed player. So uh, if Maryland could exploit a, a mismatch, is going to be there. But I got Kansas uh, inching it to the uh, Elite Eight. Like, I'm going to say it seriously, but Diamond Stone is a hard player. I know, but he is. (laughs) Sorry for the pun, but that's what he is. That's what he is. He's solid. (laughs) He he reminds me a lot of... uh, He reminds me of a weird mix between uh, uh, Draymond Green and Zach Randolph. Maybe not as talented, but uh, style-wise... Style-wise, it reminds me of these two. Miami, the Hurricanes versus Nova. Villanova, number two versus number three. Should be a barn burner. Yes, uh, it should be a flip-em game, honestly. Any team is going to... uh, has a chance to uh, win this. Uh, Villanova has uh, dodged a bullet in the round of 32 by beating uh, Iowa. And... Um, I'm tempted to say that they're going to beat Florida too, but for the hell of it, let's go take uh, Miami, uh, Miami by a hair, by a buzzer beater. So it's going to be Kansas versus Miami in the Elite Eight in the South region. A very interesting matchup: Oregon versus Duke. A clash of cultures, <laughs> I believe, because totally, totally two different type of universities of surrounding of mentality behind just Mm -hmm. literally the actual type of basketball they're playing Oregon versus Duke yes um, Oregon is a little bit weird of a number one seed but I'm going to be rooting for them because uh, they have a Quebecer in their lineup senior uh, Christopher Boucher from Montreal and I'm very they have another Canadian a guy named Dylan Brooks so uh, I'm going to be rooting for the Ducks, but the Duke is going to be very hard to beat. Um, I was very impressed with uh, Brendan Ingram's play in the first two games. Uh, you know, it's been uh, rumored now to go number one over Ben Simmons in the NBA draft. 
and he is starting to address some weaknesses of him on the court like he's starting to rebound more he's starting to uh, get to the rim to uh, not to rely on his shot and he's making a statement as he is gaining momentum in draft discussions and this is this is a sign of character this is a sign that this kid he's not like the others he's a he's a shark he wants to uh, he wants to uh, make a point on the biggest stage of his life this is maybe the difference between him and a kid like Jalen Brown Um, I think Duke is going to win, unfortunately. Everybody <laughs> hates Duke, and so do I. Um, I think Grayson Allen and Brendan Ingram are going to bury Oregon, and they're going to win by something very infuriating, like three or four. It's funny that you talked about Duke and uh, Ingram and like the maturity game, because after mm -hmm. the game, I listened to Coach K on ESPN, uh, his mm -hmm. post-game comments. And he mentioned how uh, the, pr the presenter from ESPN talked about his young team. And he stopped it in his draft. Mm -hmm. And like, they're not young anymore. They were when they started this mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. Now they're not young anymore. Like, mm -hmm. hinting, stating that the expectation that he put down months ago, now maybe building him back up. And I think that's interesting that now he has, like, maybe the belief in his team that he didn't have before because, well, they grew into a contender in the last couple of weeks. I think he always had beliefs in his team because he's a sneaky guy, Coach K. He likes yes, he's to, quite, a, he, quite a character. He's like to, he likes to make uh, romantic statements. He likes to give uh, – he likes to paint himself as a good guy. But I would wholeheartedly agree that Brendan Ingram has taken some – crazy maturity and you can see him he he doesn't look overwhelmed in games he looks very relaxed he looks more and more like he knows what he's doing sometimes this season he looked confused in the offense but now he uh he's going to make his cuts he knows where to go he knows uh he doesn't get uh, confused on the pick and roll i have a very very uh, good feeling about this kid at the next level i don't know if even all that's going to warrant uh, passing a guy like Ben Simmons. But if Philly gets the first pick, he is a perfect, perfect match to dig them out of the hole. <laughs> a bigger, taller, and better Allen Iverson. Uh, yeah. Look it's difficult. Uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say uh, that early. He's going to be, I think he's going to be more, much more of a catch and shoot and uh, a bit of a slasher, but uh, he's going to, uh, he's a difference maker. He's definitely a difference maker at the next level. A lot of people are giving him crap because he's thin, but he, he's showing everyone in the tournament that it doesn't matter if he's thin, he can find ways to get uh, to the rim. And he's wide. <laughs> the biggest wingspan, to take the expression of the commentators, I've seen, I think it's 7.3. <laughs> 7.3 yes. feet that this is yes. between his two index fingers when he has his arms yes. wide open. That is mind-boggling. That is crazy. It, it is the same wingspan as Kawhi Leonard, who is widely renowned as the best defender in the NBA. So there you go. Those arms are going to be useful. <laughs> Texas oh, A&M yeah. versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma, quite a story with healed and a great performance they had in the second round. Oh, yeah. Uh, VCU were not going down without a fight. And Buddy Hield will this team past uh, VCU. It was a very impressive performance. 
they should logically beat Texas A&M. I'm not saying they will because um, it's uh, Texas A&M is not out of surprise if uh, Oklahoma gets um, if Oklahoma gets uh, lazy gets uh, gets bored they're going to have a surprise but i think oklahoma is going to uh, win by a fair margin like two digits all right now moving on to north carolina versus indiana yes. indiana eliminated kentucky and now north carolina yes. a number one who is one of probably everybody's favorite if we're looking at now mm -hmm. with maybe Kansas still and mm -hmm. uh, maybe Oklahoma, but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. North Carolina, Indiana. Yes. Um, it was very surprising that Indiana eliminated uh, Kentucky. Uh, it was a very, it was a grudge match. Like Jonathan said last week, it was a very uh, high octane game. Um, I'm Indiana is a weird team. They have, a lot of seniors, they have a lot of veterans, and they have a lot of very, very young guys. They have no in-between. Um, you're going to be an odd fit for Carolina. I don't know what to expect. Like Logic tells me North Carolina, but Indiana could very well surprise, uh, surprise and inch their way into the Elite Eight. All right, North Carolina, that's who I have as well in that round now. Notre Dame versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin, which eliminated Xavier on a busy yes. buttered three points that all memes out there. If you remember the Michael Jordan face, well, yes. that face will be replaced forever <laughs> with the Bill Murray face because of that three-point <laughs> shot. Yes. Um, Notre Dame and Wisconsin, I had them in my original bracket, and it's probably the thing I'm most proud of at this like, point. Yes, I had the Wisconsin over Xavier. And I could hear uh, last week Jonathan's uh, mocking tone when I said I had Wisconsin over Xavier. He was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, You showed him up. Uh, but... Wisconsin has a uh, his, has the experience. They've been there. Uh, the guy who drained the, the buzzer beater, Brunson Koenig, was there uh, last year in the deep run. Um, they've just had the they just had uh, they capitalized on the moment, and it was a very good win for them. I think they're going to beat Wisconsin uh, at Notre Dame too. <clears throat> they have North a in the lead eight. yes. Yes, they have a very similar profile. Both teams, Notre Dame, is maybe is a little more athletic, but Wisconsin is a lot more experienced, and they are led by their emotional leader Nigel Hayes, uh, which is a very promising young player. I I like Wisconsin. Now we have uh, UVA, that's Virginia, if I'm not mistaken, yes. versus Iowa State. Yes. Uh, Iowa State, which eliminated in the second round Little Rock, which was uh, the darling of the first round because yes. a 12 eliminated a 5. Now, yes. can uh, can Iowa eliminate the number one? Or will the number one continue their run up to the 8? Uh, Iowa State is a good team. Um, questioning their defense a little bit. Um, they're, uh, I like Virginia has, has made a very strong showing so far. They've been very, uh, um, they are very, um, uh, they are very, uh, sound both ways. They're very good defensively. They are led by, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I think Virginia is going to beat Iowa State. All right. Now for the last sweet 16 game. A game of underdogs. A game of a 10 versus an 11. 
Yes, sir. Gonzaga, uh, Syracuse. Freaking Syracuse, man. They, they've wormed their way to the Sweet 16 again. Uh, they are a program that faced some serious sanction last year. Well, they got they lucky. Were not... Let's just talk about their uh, their path to the, the uh, Sweet 16. If, let's let's yes, talk about yeah, it. Absolutely. They won against Dayton, they... and then they got lucky because Mid-Tennessee beat Michigan State, so Mid-Tennessee, a 15, was their opponent in the second round. They were handed a flower by Tom Izzo, Denzel Valentines, and the boys at Michigan State. They, they were not su- Mid-Tennessee. They were not supposed to be there. Uh, really, um, I think they have very every chance possible to beat Gonzaga because Gonzaga is not that good of a team. Uh, but you know what? I'll give it to the Zags. I'll give it. They've shown a very good, a very no-nonsense uh, team basketball so far. I'm going to give it to the Zags against Virginia in the Elite Eight. Yeah, no, they destroyed Utah too, 82 59. And it's the same. Syracuse destroyed all the other games in the second round Mm -hmm. were close. Well, maybe Nova destroyed Iowa, but outside of that, they're close, at least Mm -hmm. a couple buckets. But we're talking about 25 points and we're talking about like close to 30. We're talking Mm -hmm. about 25 and actually 23. So it's quite interesting the difference in Mm -hmm. uh, that part of the bracket. All right, Ben, Mm -hmm. we've talked about college. Let's move to just the pros for a second. Yes. The Warriors only scored 79 points. Really? That happened? I I was shocked when I watched, I watched that game. And I, I was looking at the score afterwards. I'm like, what? What just happened? Is that the first uh, half? The war- Is that the second quarter, uh, I mean? The, the, well, the Warriors, I think, scored 73 in the first half against uh, uh, OKC when the team plays for the first time this year. Exactly. Uh, listen, that is classic Greg Popovich. Uh, when you when people say that Greg Popovich plays che- plays chess when other people play checkers, that's him. That's on him. Now, um, Steph Curry had a bad night. He had a, just a abysmal night of shooting. It was it was part of this was uh, the Spurs putting pressure, and part of this was just that he was not in there. Uh, this the 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 Warriors were missing Andre Iguodala, who has a sprained ankle, and they were missing Andrew Bogut too. But you have to appreciate the tactical mastery of Greg Popovich. So the point the, the point is last time uh, they had Kawhi Leonard, who is the reigning defensive player of the year, on Steph Curry, and Steph torched the poor Kawhi all night. I've never seen Kawhi look so bad on defense. And this time, they started with Tony Parker on on um, on Steph. And Tony Parker is an aging all-star with bad ankles. I was like, what are they doing? But on defensive switches, uh, they put Danny Green, which is a lot bigger, a lot more athletic, on Steph. And they put uh, Tony Parker on Clay Thompson. Now, that would make that bit looks like it makes no sense. Parker is 6'2", uh, 35 bad ankles. Um, Clay, Park, Clay Thompson is 6'6", um, uh, I think 24, 25, uh, one of the best shooters in the game. But what did it do? It made uh, Clay go to the low post every time for easy buckets. And this was key to the win of the, um, this was key to the win of the Spurs because uh, instead of taking threes, Clay was going uh, for easy buckets at the low post, 
and the Warriors were not running their offenses. They were like, oh, easy bucket. And he scored only 12 points out of this, uh, out of these uh, supposedly easy buckets. He shot for 45%, and he completely short-circuited his own offense. So by baiting an easier matchup, Greg Popovich suckered the uh, the Warriors into losing the game. This is a quite spectacular coaching display and a very strategically timed so. Before we talk about the prospect of the week, which is Jalen yes. Brown from California, from Cal, the Bears, let's talk yes. about the playoff race in the NBA as we speak. Because everybody's talking about the March Madness. It's the talk of the town, but pros are still playing, and they're playing for dibs or playing for playoffs or playing at least for home court advantage. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of interesting. Um, there was a lot of. I'm pretty interested into uh, the last seeds, especially in the East, because um, Chicago is dropping out. Chicago is only uh, is not even half a game in front of Detroit right now. They only have one uh, less loss, which uh, puts their winning percentage, I think, 0.001 higher. Um, I think Chicago is not making the playoffs this year. I think they're slipping into uh, the lottery and the budding powerhouse that is Detroit is going to make the playoffs for the first time in five or six years. Uh, and it's really it's really uh, a surprising but enjoyable situation in an otherwise uh, uh, predictable season. Now, and one thing that's interesting to me, I wouldn't consider this a playoff race because both teams are going to make the playoffs for sure, but the Cavaliers' lead over the Raptors is slowly, half a game by half a game, coming down. The Raptors are continuing to actually keep up the pace with the Cavaliers. Yes. Uh, yes, they're only one game behind now. Um, is, it was like a couple of our, weeks ago, it was like five, six games. I, the thing is, are they peaking right now? Are they peaking at the wrong time? Or is Cleveland going to peak in the playoffs? I don't know, but uh, Toronto looks mighty good. I still don't. I don't think they have much more than a puncher's chance to beat Cleveland, but uh, they might very well take the first seed now. All right, Jalen Brown, California. Yes, he has a bad game in the first round of March Madness, but outside of that, we're talking about a great prospect, right? Yeah, um, he is the um, the consolation prize basically for whoever wants to draft Brandon Ingram and and Camp. Uh, he <laughs> is ranked he's ranked third or fourth in most mock drafts. Uh, he's an intriguing player because to a certain point, to a certain degree, he's not he, he can't miss. He's too athletic. He's too much. Too high character, he uh, he he will be a productive NBA player. But what kind of NBA player he will be, it's tough to say because he hasn't really developed uh, a strong, reliable shot over the year because he never needed to. He was always so athletic that he could slash his way through any situation, get to the rim through any situation. Even in uh, uh, college, he was less so in college. But uh, he could always uh, find a rim. It's not going to be the case in the pros. Uh, he's going to um, he's going to face some very very strong defenders. He's going to be a very strong defender himself in the pro too. Uh, you know, a lot of people compare him to Kawhi Leonard. I think it's a little utopic. 
Kawhi Leonard was drafted 15th overall uh, in 2011 because people said he couldn't shoot, which was true. But uh, the Spurs drafted him, and knowing very well they had the best shot doctor in the game uh, as part of their training staff, which is a guy named Chip Angelin. Uh, and Chip Angelin is probably a couple months away from getting an assistant coaching job now, so he's been doing such a good job. And um, is the, will Jalen Brown get such a good situation? I don't think so. Um, right now, the, the Celtics would have the third pick overall if uh, it would be uh, the draft would be tomorrow because of Brooklyn's pick. Will they uh, get try to get him or Dragon Bender? I don't know. If they get Jalen Brown, they're probably going to play him alongside Jake Crowder at the three and the four, which is interesting but very uh, small. Uh, I would take Canadian kid Jamal Murray before them both, personally. Yeah, of course we would. But we're maybe chauvinistic or maybe just realistic. Depends on the point of view. Uh, well, I think that the, the Celtics need a scoring weapon. They need a, a high-volume scorer. I think Jayla, uh, the Jamal Murray would be a better fit there. Uh, a lot of people are selling him short because he can. he's basically uh, more of a scorer than anything else. I think he'd be the perfect guy to complement the Celtics' hard-nosed uh, core identity. Ben, all right. Let's get back to March Madness. I can't wait. Next couple yes, of days, sir. it's going to start again. Sweet 16, and we're on to the lead eight and final four. Yes. Woo. Yes, sir. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting. It starts again on Thursday, and on Sunday, there should be only four teams left. All right. So Thursday, tune your television. If you're in Canada, it's on TSN. In the States, ESPN. Well, actually, no, it's on True TV, TNT, and CBS, as well as uh, TBS. You can get the March Madness coverage. All right, Ben, thank you very much, and talk to you next week. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.